Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Well, as expected, the, that news came out yesterday, the big $12 billion aid package for farmers from the administration to help them as they deal with the effects of the trade wars or trade disputes, if you will, and the tariffs and the retaliation, and a lot of reaction coming in on that. We will talk about that on today's program. We'll have reaction from Dale Moore with the American Farm Bureau Federation and Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Also today, we don't want to lose sight of the work being done on the Farm Bill. We wait to see who's going to be on the uh, conference committee from the Senate side and Look forward to that work getting done. Probably really, even though behind-the-scenes work being done now, the real get-together, head-to-head stuff will happen more in September. Uh, the National Association they would like to see addressed in the Farm Bill. We'll talk with their president coming up on today's program. But right now, we're happy to have with us from Politico, Catherine Boudreau. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Well, quite a day yesterday. Uh, we were reading uh, a lot of the work, uh, a lot of the, the reporting done at Politico saying that the announcement was coming on the aid package and you were starting to get the details. Uh, we've been waiting a long time to, to get this information. We're still waiting for some of the details, aren't we? Yes, that's right. Um, so Secretary, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue unveiled a three-part plan yesterday, um, $12 billion, and most of the money will be spent on direct payments to the traditional U.S. commodities like soybeans, sorghum, corn, wheat, cotton, pork, and dairy. Uh, So that's probably going to be the most substantial uh, portion of the money that gets distributed. But uh, the USDA also wants to do a food purchase and distribution program. So they will buy up fruits and nuts and beef and pork and dairy products and then distribute them into the nutrition programs like school lunches, but also to food banks. Um, and then the third part of the, the, the program unveiled yesterday is uh, putting money into trade promotion programs so that the department can work on finding new markets uh, overseas. Been interesting to see the response. While many have expressed in, in agriculture have expressed appreciation for the help, they've also expressed the feeling they'd much rather have trade than aid. Yeah, that's that's right. A lot of the um, response from some of the farm groups here in D.C. and just farmers that I've talked to over the course of reporting is that, you know, they appreciate the acknowledgement from the administration that this trade war has caused some real pain on farm country. Um, but, of course, this is just a, a one lump sum. It's a one one. It's a, they, the USDA itself is saying this is just a short term solution for so that the president can have some time to negotiate uh, a better trade deals, but of course, there's really a lot of uncertainty on whether, or, you know, where, whether there's an end in sight to this tariff battle that's going on with China, Canada, Mexico, and other major economies. Yeah, I put on Twitter today: short-term aid versus short-term pain, and which will last longer? We we don't know at this point because we haven't seen any uh, signs of resolution to these issues. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the Trump administration is uh, weighing putting imports on automobile uh, imports to the country. So if, if they do set tariffs on on auto parts, for example, I think agriculture will again be a target for retaliation. So there could be some, some more uh, damage down the line. 
And then you just wonder, Talk- uh, yeah, when when is this when is this going to end? When is there some resolution? Yeah. The Trump administration hasn't been clear about what exactly their their pre- goals are. Um, what would be sufficient for them to end the tariffs? Yeah, Secretary Purdue saying this kind of helps tide farmers over to and gives the president more time to work out these trade deals, and uh, we're still waiting to see when that's going to happen. We're talking with Catherine Boudreaux with, with Politico. Now, as I said, uh, Catherine, we're still waiting for, for some details, uh, and I think a lot of farmers are maybe wondering now just how much assistance they're actually going to be eligible for. I guess we won't know till when, harvest time? Right. So the USDA said that, you know, there will be a decision made around Labor Day, which, hey, convenient, that's just a month before the midterm elections. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so, that, you know, just around Labor Day, they're going to make a decision on uh, when these payments will kick in and the specifics of the aid plan, like, you know, how much money will be going to certain sectors of the ad- economy. Um, and I think, like you said, there's a lot of questions right now um, that we just don't know the answer to. You know, I think economists are saying, you know, a lot of the support will be going towards soybeans that have lost about $2 or, uh, you know, a bushel, I think, in the last few months. And then uh, also pork producers. I've talked to some um, farmers who said they've lost $18 a head on the futures market. So I think those that, those two commodities we might be see the most support. But then, you know, dairy producers as well have have. Uh, have been experiencing some long-term damage to their milk prices. Right, and we'll be talking with Jim Mulhern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, later on in today's program. Uh, Catherine, you alluded to it. I mean, there's no getting around it, and critics have jumped all over this. Uh, the fact that the the timing can't be overlooked, that it will be, uh, you know, coming, this aid coming right before the, uh, the midterm elections. Right, it just, it can't be um, forgotten that that farmers and just many rural voters, they were a key constituency for the president. He's doing a tour through Illinois and Iowa this week, and I'm sure he's getting probably inundated with questions about his trade agenda and how is this really going to, in the long term, be beneficial to the U.S. economy when right now it seems like it's only been doing some damage. Um, So I think also heading into the midterm elections, it's it's, um, potentially a, a strategy to also shore up some support in the in the farm belt um because like i said a lot of the groups are farm groups that i've talked to are are thankful for the acknowledgement that this is causing real damage i guess the other question uh right off the top of our minds here would be where does this money come from uh catherine Do, do we know how the breakdown on that well yeah so the usda um and you know the the ag sector is unusual in comparison to other parts of the economy because the USDA has this tool called the Commodity Credit Corporation. So it's a kind of obscure, essentially bank, um, has a line of credit to the Treasury. And, you know, they can basically, um, they, they have broad authority to take some of that money and distribute it to stabilize farm prices in the farm economy. Um, and other sectors of the economy just don't really have that tool. And this was established, I think, maybe back in the 1930s. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, obscure uh, part of the USDA, but also I think has been essential to some of the uh, stabilization efforts. Like, for instance, USDA has bought up lots of cheese in the past because milk mm-hmm. prices are so uh, low. So it's a, a way to boost prices for milk producers. Yeah, some of this we have seen before, that's for sure, and will incorporate uh, functions of the Farm Service Agency, Agricultural Marketing Service, and the Foreign 
Agricultural Service. Well, Catherine, mm-hmm. I think we'll be uh, talking about this for quite a while yet as we get more details. Thank you for, for all the great reporting you and your, your team at Politico are doing on this. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Uh, you too. Catherine Boudreaux with Politico with more information on the Trump administration's plans for aid to farmers, $12 billion coming in different forms through different agencies, but some of the details uh, will not be announced until after Labor Day. We'll talk more about this later with Dale Moore with the American Farm Bureau Federation and Jim Mulhern with the National Milk Producers Federation. But coming up next, Ken Clippen is president of the National Association of Egg Farmers. They have some concerns they'd like to see addressed in this next farm bill. We'll find out what those concerns are. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, this is an issue uh, that uh, we've been talking about for some time. That's, of course, uh, California and uh, determining uh, how uh, egg production should be and only allowing certain types of production eggs from certain types of production to come into their state. And that's all something that uh, could be addressed in, in the farm bill as there's an amendment from Representative Steve King from Iowa that seeks to uphold the U.S. Constitution Commerce Clause. This is a big issue for a lot of uh, different reasons, but especially we focus in on the uh, the poultry industry, the egg industry. Joining us now is Ken Clippen. He is president of the National Association of Egg Farmers. Ken, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Mike. Why is this such an important issue for those in the egg industry? Well, eggs travel the entire continent. Um, they crisscross among the states because we have, in the Midwest is where we have some of the larger egg farmers that are producing eggs that uh, um, can satisfy consumers nationwide. California has a shortage of egg farmers in order to meet the demands of eggs in California, so they have to import eggs from other states. Unfortunately, they have seen to regulate the commerce of eggs coming to their states by putting these production standards on eggs. So uh, Representative Steve King from Iowa, who represents a large contingent of egg farmers in northwest Iowa, sought to put an end to that, um, and simply by saying we need to uphold the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution. California is violating that. And really, this has repercussions far beyond the egg industry. I mean, when it gets down to states determining, you know, what's coming in and out of their state, the, uh, that, that could affect a good number of products. It, it absolutely could. Uh, the National Association of Egg Farmers is focused on eggs, obviously. want to see eggs be able to move between the states without these uh, encumbrances. Um, and what's interesting, too, is that uh, the way this is being sold to the consumers in California, California is not the only state. There are other states, and typically it's along the coasts that we see this happening. Um, the, they're claiming that uh, they're trying to improve the welfare of chickens or to improve the quality of the eggs. And, of course, we're saying that is absolutely false. Uh, what they're saying is untrue. Egg farmers have uh, evolved to producing eggs the way they are today because they are trying to care for the welfare of their chickens. The cage-free movement, the mortality among chickens is double what it is for the those birds that are in cages because chickens you know they peck each other that's called the pecking order they're trying to establish dominance and the more chickens the more pecking goes on the more death loss but it's much more than that uh, we're, we're simply trying to show our support uh, for this uh, uh, commerce between the states to be unencumbered by uh, social issues that are based on false narratives so basically, California has said, we've talked about this before, they don't want any eggs coming into their state 
unless they are from uh, a cage-free system, right? Well, currently they have, back in 2008, they actually implemented a, a ballot initiative where they said that the chicken had to have enough space to spread its wings without touching the sides of its enclosure. Um, and so what California did was they enlarged the cages. They, they allowed for that to take place. Well, that wasn't good enough for the animal activists. They wanted it to be totally cage-free. And so this come November, there'll be a new ballot initiative saying that it has to be totally cage-free. Um, but again, you know, we, you know what, what's so interesting, Mike, is that uh, just two days ago, the Center for Disease Control released a report talking about the number of people becoming infected from backyard poultry with salmonella. They said 212 as of July 13, 2018. Fortunately, there has not been any deaths, but and they're tracing it back to people having contact with chickens. So when we see this taking place in California, and there's a large number of backyard flocks in California, the um, people are starting to um, move away from the farmer who knows how to produce eggs in a safe way. And so um, it's, it's, it's not just the chickens, it's also human health that we're concerned about. Okay, so right now they went to larger cages, and now they're, they've got a ballot initiative that would eliminate cages altogether. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so interesting. Ironically, I guess California right now has uh, a major poultry disease, doesn't it? It does. It's called the virulent Newcastle disease, and more than 60 um, uh, cases of this disease has broken out. Uh, uh, it's not in the commercial flocks. That We do have some farmers out there that are able to keep the birds indoors and safe from the spread of this disease, as well as avian influenza and other type of diseases. But it continues to grow. And to me, it just doesn't make sense that people are advocating for more backyard flocks when more birds are going to die as a result. They have to destroy those birds when they come across this particular disease because it's so virulent. So um, uh, it's, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. And so when uh, Representative King said he's going to do this, uh, we quickly got in touch, and uh, we've met with him on several occasions recently and uh, said that we are fully supporting what he's doing. Okay, explain his amendment and and how it would impact this situation. He basically says that um, Congress has the expressed authority, based on Article One, Section Eight, Clause Three of the U.S. Constitution, to regulate commerce between the states. That's what it says. California says, well, the Tenth Amendment allows the states to implement its own rules. Well, if you read the Tenth Amendment. It starts off by saying that, first, they, they can't usurp what's already in the Constitution. So Article I came before the Tenth Amendment. So um, Mr. King is basically saying, let's just uphold the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution, and that's going to benefit his constituents with our egg farmers. It'll benefit others that are trying to have products move into California for the consumers, that are being restricted because of other types of um, uh, restrictions. Like I said, we're focusing on eggs right now because that seems to be the central issue that uh, is behind this um, amendment that uh, Mr. King has in the Farm Bill, the House version of the Farm Bill, H.R. 2. 
We're talking with Ken Clippen. He's president of the National Association of Egg Farmers. Ken, I remember when this was all happening, the changes going in in California, they were going in this direction. Uh, there were questions about, uh, for producers there, uh, would they be able to afford to make changes in their production system? Uh, we understood that some decided not to, but others went ahead and made the changes, even though it, it was uh, costly. Uh, there were questions about what would that do to the supply of eggs and the price of eggs in California. What have we learned since th these changes have started being made? It's interesting that the U.S. Department of Agriculture actually um, reports on egg pricing nationwide, and it noted that um, within a year after California's implementing this new rule that uh, said that they had to be a special type of cage in order to sell eggs in California, we noticed that eggs sold in California, and this was throughout the entire year, 2016, that they were 90% greater than the rest of the country. So consumers are paying this extra cost that other uh, consumers are not having to pay. And it's all based on a false narrative that they're improving the welfare or the quality of the eggs. These are false. Uh, we have repeatedly shown uh, with the science that when chickens, and it's obvious, when chickens are cage-free and they lay their eggs on the ground, well, that's also where their species. So the chickens are laying their eggs among that, and so they're contaminating the eggshells, the potential for health concerns are increased greatly, and science has shown this repeatedly. So it, it's, it baffles us that uh, Californians don't get it. Uh, fortunately, we have uh, your listeners, you know, in the states, uh, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, South Dakota, Wisconsin, they all understand this. And a lot of the large egg farmers are shipping eggs into California. They're making the adjustments to provide eggs under their standards now, but if they go to totally cage-free, the costs are so high that consumers will stop buying them. So, uh, and we've seen that published as well uh, scientifically when there's been surveys done that when the eggs are a dollar or more greater than other eggs, talking about cage-free as opposed to the modern conventional cages, um, consumers cut back on eating eggs. And so they're, they're actually limiting their ability to have a high-nutritious, uh, high-protein product at a very modest price. So that's, unfortunately, uh, Californians don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot more to that story other than it sounds good to say, oh, let them be cage-free, and, you know, it sounds like a, a, something that's good for the uh, chickens when it may very well not be and certainly not necessarily good for the consumer either. Thanks for pointing all this out for us, Ken, and uh, we'll watch closely what happens with the amendment uh, with the Farm Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Ken Clippen, president of the National Association of Egg Farmers. Dale Moore with the American Farm Bureau Federation joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture.
from the American Ag Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, a sharp rally is underway in wheat futures on this Wednesday. Between 20 to 30 cents higher, Chicago, Kansas City, Minneapolis, an hour into the trading day. The Wheat Quality Council's Hard Red Spring Wheat and Durham Tour kicked off yesterday. Overall, scouts visiting 138 fields calculating an average yield of 38.8 bushels per acre. The tour continues Wednesday with routes covering northwest and north-central North Dakota. Egypt's state grain buyer bought 420,000 tons of wheat from Russia, Romania, and Ukraine on Tuesday. Traders said they paid higher prices as conditions in that region worsened. President Trump Wednesday accusing China of vicious tactics on trade. The Ag Department says it's tapping an existing program to give $12 billion in direct payments to farmers and ranchers hurt by foreign retaliation to Trump's tariffs. December new crop corn trending higher, six and a fraction better on this Wednesday. Big picture, December corn dropped toward 20-day moving average support on Tuesday. Action around that zone could act as a key toggle point in the near term. For new crop November soybeans, Tuesday's rally marking a solid close above the 20-day moving average at 866. November beans have traded below that level since early June. For livestock at the Merck, cattle futures trending in a bit of a mix with some strength on this Wednesday. Nearby live cattle steady to 35 higher, dime to 25 better in feeder cattle, 90 to $1.45 higher in lean hog futures. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow edging lower Wednesday as trade relations overshadowed another wave of strong corporate earnings reports. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Well, we continue to get reaction to the president's uh, 
aid package, $12 billion. Some details to be announced, of course, after Labor Day. And uh, But in the meantime, we know it's a, a three-part plan, and it's focused on payments, purchases, and trade promotion efforts. And we're getting all kinds of reactions, appreciation, but also concern that uh, the, you know, farmers would much rather have trade than aid. Let's talk about it with the Vice President of Public Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Dale Moore. Dale, thanks for joining us. Uh, what's Farm Bureau's reaction to this plan? Well, Mike, our reaction is uh, we appreciate uh, what the uh, Secretary announced yesterday. Uh, it clearly indicated, uh, kind of goes back to what the President said back, uh, I guess it was in April or so, when he said that that uh, he was uh, asking, directing Secretary Purdue to put together a package that would help farmers deal with any negative impacts that might fall out from uh, the trade wars that are going on. Uh, that announcement came yesterday, and as you indicated, uh, you know, we're still focused and still praying for the opportunity to see, you know, some trade agreements, get these uh, trade uh, processes restored, our, our opportunities to market into these countries repaired and restored. Uh, but as farmers are heading into the, at the end of their year, and a lot of them seeing prices drop even farther than they have over the past five years, we're in a situation now where they need some relief going into the fall to be able to talk to their bankers and creditors about going into next year. So we're thankful for this temporary relief, uh, but we continue to keep our focus on uh, getting, getting new trade agreements started, getting the existing ones sorted out. There's some irony here, of course, uh... The fact that, yeah, there's this aid coming, but the reason the aid is needed is because of the of the trade policies being put forth right now by the administration. So you could say they kind of caused the need for the aid package. Well, that's one of the things that uh, we've had the opportunity, as you can imagine, over the last, uh, you know, 24 hours or so to explain to folks, uh, you know, the, there's been... The term bailout has been bandied uh, about by some uh, out there that uh, agriculture is getting a bailout. And what we are trying to get folks to understand is, you know, this is not a situation that farmers and ranchers caused. Uh, this is a situation that, uh, you know, that, that emanates from, the, you know, the, the administration's effort to go after certain trade issues uh, with countries that don't have anything to do directly with agriculture. Uh, but those countries like China, uh, you know, Canada, Mexico, European Union, when they are retaliating with their tariffs, they're going after agriculture. They're impacting, you know, the livelihoods of uh, the men and women that uh, we here at Farm Bureau work for. The president has made it clear he thinks tariffs are the are the are a good thing, uh, the right way to go about uh, addressing these issues. That's not really been the the history or the track record that we've seen for agriculture as being something that's positive in the long run, it's usually been negative. Well, what we, what we know, we see this when, you know, any country we have a trade agreement with, we see a significant increase in the amount of agricultural exports to that country. Uh, trade opportunities, trade is often a two-way street. Uh, I can't begin to uh, explain what all may be going on relative to steel and aluminum or intellectual property or those issues. But what we do know is that when we've got a good, solid trade agreement with the country, when we've got a good trade relationship with the country, uh, that's where agriculture exports from the United States typically have uh, an advantage because we've got uh, you know men and women 
raising high quality you know commodities and crops and products developed from those crops that go into those countries they're in demand uh and when the pricing system is fair uh we know we can compete with anybody in the world the package does buy uh, pardon the pun there does buy the administration some time i guess to get some trade deals done but uh that's you know that's not uh, going to go on forever this this is something that's going to have to be addressed uh, as quickly as possible, or we're going to have this issue continuing. Well, American Farm Bureau President uh, Zippy Duval had made that very point, and frankly, so had the Secretary in referring to this. This is a temporary relief, a temporary measure to get us through this rough patch that's been caused by the trade wars or the tariff wars that are going on right now. But that's one of the things we keep asking for, we keep uh, pushing for, is, you know, we need we need to see some bright spots. We need to see some progress on on NAFTA and getting that resolved. We need to see uh, and would love to see, uh, you know, some efforts to get new trade agreement negotiations started, uh, you know, to expand that opportunity. We just, you know, here recently uh, the European Union and, and Japan signed a trade agreement. Japan is one of our major, major cu- customers, and that's one area where we really think we could we could see some progress, at least getting the negotiations started. Another that the president has touched on from time to time uh, has been uh, rejoining the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and that's something that we know uh, from our, our work, you know, back when it was still a viable opportunity for us, that that, that agreement alone was worth about $4.4 billion in net farm increase. Uh, on an annual basis once it was fully implemented. So that's one of the things we keep asking for. Show us some progress. Give us some wins. Show us where some of the landing pads, landing zones are relative to getting some of these disputes sorted out that are ongoing and getting started on some new agreements. Talking with Dale Moore with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dale, this is, uh, uh, for those of us been around long enough, we've seen some of this before, purchasing of commodities, uh, things like that. So all this, this isn't entirely new. We've been down this road before. Now, the purchasing of commodities is certainly not uh, new. It's something that has occurred sometimes for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's been market disruptions. Sometimes it's been, you know, simple oversupply. But it's one of the tools the Secretary has for a variety of reasons to not only help producers out, but a lot of times those purchases, particularly the the food purchases, go into various feeding programs to help those, uh, you know, who are less fortunate, who who would benefit from, you know, good quality foodstuffs going into senior feeding programs or certain school programs uh, or, you know, soup kitchens, et cetera. So that's one of the things that we see an opportunity here uh, in that particular component of the Secretary's plan, you know, buying commodities can help stabilize markets that are pretty jittery right now on the farmer supply. They can also be an important source of uh, nutrition for folks who are less fortunate. Are there any WTO implications to this? Well, I will tell you, this is this is where I, I remind you that I have a degree in animal science, so my expertise mm-hmm. on, on the WTO and those rules uh, I have to say, you know, in a very general sense, there is the potential for there to be some issues. Uh, but I feel very confident that uh, Secretary Purdue and, her, and his team, as one of the questions he answered yesterday, they are paying attention to that particular issue. Uh, and they certainly are mindful that uh, whatever they do should not result in, 
in creating yet another problem on another front uh, relative to trade, i.e. having the WTO in some form or fashion come down on, on these programs to assist farmers in this tough time. It'll also be interesting. We, uh, we're told we won't know until after Labor Day just exactly how this is really going to work and uh, how much assistance uh, some farmers will actually be eligible for. Uh, but the tab continues to grow because with these tariffs in place, losses are mounting. So even as we wait for details, uh, the price tag uh, or the, uh, you know, the amount of harm, economic harm to farmers continues to grow. Well, Mike, you bring up a very good point, and I think it's it's something that uh, I feel pretty confident saying that that you know the president would not have agreed to Secretary Purdue's recommended level of twelve billion dollars had they not done uh, the kind of homework that's necessary, the analysis that's necessary to determine what exactly is the the level of harm. Uh, twelve billion dollars is is a big number, uh, and and it's something that is probably one of the biggest numbers we've seen to you know, assist farmers in, in a particularly tough time. And so that tells me that, you know, the calculations, the analysis that's going on inside the department, uh, you know, they've, they wouldn't have put this number out there if they didn't have a pretty good idea that this is the range of damage that's occurred just uh, since this year started. Doesn't this also open agriculture up to even more criticism? Uh, there are plenty of critics out there already of any aid or assistance uh, agriculture receives critics even of the farm bill and and now you add this on there i i would think there'll be plenty of uh, people taking uh, pot shots uh, at this and uh, at farmers you know getting more assistance well mike yeah uh, you're absolutely right we're already seeing it you know the headlines that uh, some in the media have used to you know portray what has occurred and, and again uh, you know they choose uh, to use the term uh, bailout. What we are pointing to is that you know this is not something that it's not a situation that farmers and ranchers created. Uh, it's not something that uh, you know occurred with the way they're managing their farms or operations, or you know our our partners in the in the ag industry. You know, going the food processors and others. Uh, this is not something that that we created. This is something that is you know has been born out of this. Uh, uh, trade fight that's occurring over other industry sectors, uh, we just happen to be the target that uh, these other countries are focused on. And so from our standpoint, this is basically what the president said. He is protecting us from the impacts of this trade war that's going on. And while we appreciate that help, we keep coming back to the point we view this as temporary relief. And like some of our critics, uh, we would love to get back to having the opportunity to not only restore these markets, but continue to build them uh, and get back to where, you know, the marketplace is determining what our men and women are making uh, year in and year out. All right, Dale, good to talk with you, and we'll be uh, watching this closely and probably talk again once more details come out. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share our thoughts and more to the point, uh, all that you do to protect agriculture. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dale Moore, Vice President, Public Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, the dairy sector has been hit especially hard, uh, uh, some really tough economic times. How do they feel? How do they feel about this announcement? Have they been talking closely with the administration? We'll talk with Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Get more reaction next on Adams on Agriculture. All right, crew, let's get her dug. 
Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, Look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin. UVB rays burn. And both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? 
because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, we continue to get reaction to the administration's $12 billion aid plan for farmers. Let's talk about it from a dairy perspective now. Jim Mohern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, joins us. Jim, thanks for being with us. Um, I know you've been working closely with the folks at USDA. Uh, How do you feel about this package that has been announced? Well, we have been working closely with the department, as you mentioned, Mike, and we are pleased with the uh, with the department's uh, responsiveness, the uh, work they've done with us to fashion a package that uh, should help in the short term here to deal with some of the damage that's resulting from these retaliatory tariffs that have been put in place. It's not a solution to the problem. It's not a long-term program, uh, but with the damage that's already occurred to milk prices and the outlook for milk prices for the next six months, um, the package that the department has put together will be helpful in trying to close some of that gap. Okay, specifically, how does it address dairy? Well, we, we recommended to the department a focus on three areas, and I'm pleased that all three areas were ones that the department picked up on. Number one, uh, provide direct payments to producers uh, to help cover the decline in milk prices resulting from the uh, the loss in export sales to two key markets number one mexico number two china uh, the second component of the program which we advocated was export assistance we've got to try to keep product flowing into our key export markets and those two in particular have established uh, tariffs amounting to about 25 percent uh, added to the cost of our products we're trying to ship that's already had a negative impact on sales to both of those markets and we're hopeful that the assistance from the department will help to close that gap and, and help our exporters uh, keep sending product despite these retaliatory tariffs. And then the, the third area is to do some product purchase uh, to help with the, the backlog of product that is being displaced from export sales. Uh, we're frankly concerned about uh, we don't want to see excessive uh, product purchases because what happens then is you got that product then hanging over the market, and it kind of prolongs the problem long term. Uh, but those three components together should provide some assistance, again, for the short term. This is not a long-term solution to the problem. What we've got to get is trade agreements and get this, these trade battles straightened out so that we can be moving product more freely into our key export markets. Yeah, as I said earlier, this buys some time to get those deals done. But in the meantime, certainly producers have been 
have been hurting, this uh, offers some relief, uh, especially uh, at a time when many are, are facing some tough decisions. Well, that's exactly right. And in the case of dairy in particular, Mike, you, know, you look at the futures markets, we've been going through a period of about three years of, of uh, mediocre to poor prices. And we were actually looking forward earlier this year, looking forward to improvement in milk prices during the latter half of the year. And then these retaliatory tariffs came into place. And you look at the, the futures market on May 31st to where it is today, just for the next six months of, of futures prices, we've seen about $1.8 billion worth of value come out of uh, milk futures prices just in that six-month period. Uh, that's real damage. And just at a time when we were looking for milk prices to start to improve, we get this, this cold water um, thrown on the, onto the markets. So I don't think this package is going to close that gap entirely. We're hopeful that it is it does provide some assistance. Frankly, we're hopeful the key um, remaining issue in my mind to be addressed is the situation with Mexico. As you know, we and a number of other companies in the dairy industry have asked the administration to suspend the, uh, the retaliatory tariffs um, on Mexico, the ones that resulted from the, uh, uh, the steel and aluminum tariffs. We've asked the president to suspend those tariffs so Mexico can drop its retaliatory tariffs. That would help a long ways to keep trade flowing back and forth. What we need long-term is to get back into uh, normal trade flow, and we need more trade agreements. We've got to get NAFTA finished, and we need more trade agreements so we can be selling our products around the world. Do we have? We're, we're told we'll get more details after, say, Labor Day. Do you have any insight into how the actual distribution of this aid is going to take place? The mechanics of it? No, we don't yet. We've had, we've had extensive discussions with the department. I think the reality is those are details that are still being worked out and um, um, will be worked out over the, the course of the next several weeks. Um, I'm not expecting any um, real clarity on the, exactly what the parameters will be until. You know, sometime later in August, um, early September. Uh, but the the key, what is key in the program is that there will be direct assistance to producers in the short term here to help cover uh, damage resulting from these tariffs. How that's going to be implemented is is yet to be determined. Jim, you mentioned NAFTA the importance of getting that worked out, especially with Mexico. We've heard the administration talk about doing a separate deal with Mexico. Do you like that idea? Well, what we'd like would be to get this agreement done um, with both parties uh, as soon as possible. Uh, if it takes that to, uh, to move things forward, Mexico is our number one market, our most important export market. We don't want to see disruption there. We are seeing it right now with these, with these tariffs. So it's critically important to get that done as quickly as possible. Frankly, we've urged the administration as part of a goodwill gesture to suspend those tariffs on Mexico. Um, the Mexicans have been very collaborative through the NAFTA process. We've said suspend the tariffs on Mexico. Let's get back to the table on NAFTA and get that deal done. Um, Canada has been a problem, and it's been a major concern of, of the U.S. dairy industry, as, as your listeners well know. And um, we're hopeful that we can get some of those issues, the big issues with Canada, resolved in these negotiations. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be challenging. But uh, I'm optimistic that we can make progress there. So we like to see it done as a package together. If it takes breaking them up to get this done, um, so be it. We'd be supportive of that. The key is to get them both done, get normalized trade relations going, and for us the key is 
have begin to have normalized trade relations with Canada on dairy. We've never had it. It's time to, to do that. All right, Jim. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk about uh, positive results on the trade deals uh, next time we talk, and in the meantime, more on the details of this package. Thanks for being with us and giving us the dairy perspective. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the time. Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. All right, this is going to continue to be the the big story for a while. We'll get more reaction tomorrow. Also uh, tomorrow, more on some uh, meetings with the interim administrator at EPA, Andrew Wheeler. We're starting to get a better idea of how he's going to handle the RFS. We'll get more on that tomorrow as well. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. I'm Mike Adams. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture.